Welcome to everybody. You are with Love of Learning, a podcast focused on transforming the world through education and self-education. My name is Dejan Stanchev and I'm your host. Today we're going to talk about how to tap into our intuition and use it to have a better connection with our children, friends and families. We all have heard how we should listen to our gut feeling or inner voice and how they are never wrong. The question is why we should follow our intuition and how to use it when homeschooling our children and choosing better direction in life. To answer these questions, we have our special guest today, Jennifer Zuniga. She's a loving mother of two and had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom enjoying the process of being a mindful parent. Recently, she started a podcast called Moms in the Now to inspire young moms to tap into their mother's intuition for direction in this changing world and stop giving so much power to others, including the experts, but seek for answers inside. Link to the podcast you can find in the description. She has a BS in human development and family studies. Jennifer has an amazing holistic approach on children and life and is passionate about upbringing and educating healthy children with good nutritional and emotional knowledge. Hi, Jennifer, and thank you for being my guest, sharing your experience and knowledge with us. Hi, Dayan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. Amazing. I'm, I'm really interested in intuition and how to develop intuition, which I think is the goal of your podcast. Mums in the now, as you say, intuition is power and intuition plus knowledge is self-empowering. We should probably start by defining what you mean when you talk about intuition. So for me, um, intuition is, you know, just that voice inside. I say my higher self speaking, and it's a quiet, but sometimes just the strong feeling that you have in your gut or your heart, and you just know that that's your higher self speaking to you. So that's what it looks like for me. And it's interesting. I think that, you know, we're, we have to learn how to do that. Many of us, not everyone, but as adults, but as children, we just live in it. <laughs> they just, you know, they're just in the moment, in the moment and living. Um, and as, as mothers, you know, we've been trained and people, everyone has been trained to just listen to others, whether it's, you know, from, from childhood, be quiet, you know, don't speak at the table. Uh, we're trained not to listen to that voice. And what I find is the most exciting thing in life for me right now is teaching my children and hopefully young mothers how to listen and tap in, into that inner voice because that inner voice is connected to whether you want to say God, our creator, the universe, our higher consciousness. It's so beautiful that when we're in, in connection to our higher self, we're actually in connection to all that is. And it makes it so beautifully simple. And that's all we have to do. Sounds easy, but it's not necessarily easy for everyone, <laughs> including myself, by the way. <laughs> I, love, I love this answer. But um, how do you know if the guidance is coming from our intuition or from our ego or even something else, an old belief, a wound, a, a thought from the past? Or yes, right. That's such a great question. And honestly, it's something that I think uh, for me, just being human and living in this Western world that I live in, that's, that's a continual question. 
And I always have to um, ask myself the same thing. So one of the things that I do, and this is really a practice, and I'm not um, a meditator. I don't teach meditation. I have meditated. But what I do every morning is I sit. I used to try to meditate, but then I realized it was taking too much effort. <laughs> so what I do now, I, I like to call it contemplation. And I sit, I look out my window where I see the birds and nature. And sometimes I'll choose a focal point, whether it's a, um, a leaf or a branch, you know, on a tree or something, or something that's standing still. And I'll just focus on that tree. And when I notice thoughts come to my mind about my day or my, um, you know, yesterday, the active mind, you know, I'll notice them and I'll see if there's a sensation of urgency around it or fear around it. And then I'll just let it go. So by doing that, anything that's linked to the fear, I know that that's my monkey mind, right? That's, the, that's not where my higher self lives. My higher self lives uh, in love and an actually really easy way to get there. And this is part of my morning routine and it changes. My morning routine does change. It's not set in stone. I keep a gratitude journal. That's the easiest way for me to get to that spot which is just a higher vibration of, um, of love, of gratitude. And that's where my inner, you know, higher self, my intuition resides. So that's, um, does that make sense? So for someone else, what I would recommend is just however little time you have in the morning to, to sit with yourself and try to let your thoughts you know, you can notice them, but let's just let them go to the side, especially the thoughts of fear and replace those with thoughts of what am I grateful for? I look out, look at those beautiful birds. I'm so grateful I have birds in my backyard. Look at the sky. Wow, it looks like heavy clouds coming in. I'm so grateful for those clouds. And like, I like emotion, right? Um, and they feel, they evoke um, emotion to me. They move me. So there are different things that people can, you know, for their own, in their own personal lives and uh, what they can focus on to bring around that place of gratitude. Um, it, sounds, it sounds like an amazing, amazing thing to do. And I'll, I'll try. I'll, by the way, I'm doing something like that when I walk. When I walk, um, I try to look at the trees. I try to look at the sky and uh, try not to think not to have uh, anxious thoughts coming over again and again. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's the point of walking outside. So you think this way you get better to closer to your intuition? I think that by having that practice, it's a way to tap into it in, a, in an environment where you don't have a lot of interruption. And it's just a way to kind of like using a muscle. It's a way to use that part, that muscle. And then the, the more you get into that space and every morning you come back to that space, it's very centering. And when there are then changes that are going on in your life and the world, which is inevitable, then when you come to other moments where 
you know, maybe there's a sense of urgency. Well, what should I do? Or what, <laughs> you know, um, if you can then like, again, use that, that muscle. Okay, well just sit here in the here and now, you know, pretend I'm looking at the birds outside right in this moment. If I can bring that energy to this moment and I maybe take a few breaths, you know, in and out and then see what your higher self says. That might look like just sit, do nothing, don't act in this situation. Or it might be, you know, let's just leave this situation. I don't know, it just depends on the situation. But, um, but I just feel like that morning exercise has helped me take the ego, my ego, my monkey mind, and the urgency that I used to think, you know, was so important out of a situation, it has helped me put it in perspective. Uh, yeah, but, I, and I will say also, as far as intuition, um, you know, I like to teach my kids, well, when they were younger, about their emotional guidance system. So our emotional guidance system is a wonderful tool there, you know, when it, it's tricky. And like I said, this is all a process. By the way, I, I don't think that we can live in a world of perfection where we're going to get this right 100% of the time, because I, I don't think that that's reality. I think that we're always, we're human. We're always going to be faced with fears and, um, and taking in, you know, maybe media that puts us into a state of fear or puts us into a state of, you know, that's not connected to ourselves. So we're always going to be drawn away. That, but the point is to be able to be resourceful and resilient by coming back to our inner guidance system to, to, so, so your emotional guidance system, well, I tell the kids is, you know, if they have um, just a feeling about something, whether it's uh I don't think I should do that. You know, my friends invited me out somewhere, but you know, I, I they need to listen. If I, if they don't think they should go, if they have a reservation, then don't. You know, then honor, then listen to it. You know, it's tricky though. It is tricky when it comes to fear because, you know, me myself, you know, I can easily, you know, say, oh, I don't want to do anything because I'm afraid. But then if we kind of can push ourselves out of our comfort zone a little bit uh, and push us a little further, you know, then sometimes oh, what we were afraid of actually isn't even there. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know, so, so it does looks that like, make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. So it looks like here we should make the difference between our inner voice and our ego or fear-based subconscious, how we should differentiate and see and follow and hear the inner voice. Mm. So for me right now, because all that's going on in the world, Dan, then um, every day by the end of the day, if you watch the news or if you talk to even your friends because they've been watching the news and then they tell you all the horrible things or let's say, um, you know, for me in the United States, there was just an election. So, you know, everybody's just like turned around and upside down. And I can take on that energy 
And even right now, when I think about it, I start feeling anxious in my gut, <laughs> you know, and I'm actually thinking about going to see, um, I see sometimes an acupuncturist to kind of, you know, um, work on my energy, balance it a little bit, because I think we do, we take on people's energy. So this morning when I was doing my contemplative, um, you know, meditation, then I was really aware of that energy. So this is a little trick that I do too sometimes is I'll say, you know, dear universe, you know, I'm giving to you my fears, my anxiety about X, Y, Z. I'm, I'm giving, I surrender them to you and I put them on your altar. Please take them and do with what you may. Just, I give them to you. And I actually visualize that. And then I'll go into, you know, maybe a, some, a space of, you know, that gratitude that I was talking about before. Because I think it is, it is a process to let go of this energy. It's energy that is sticking to us, you know, but we have to be conscious of it, aware of it so that we can learn how to let go of it. Yes, I think we need to learn how to hear first those negative thoughts. And then instead of bringing them into emotion and in interaction, just like you described, just give it to the universe or just yeah. take it away. Um, and how, how do you think develop intuition in children? Is it by just uh, uh, telling them, okay, what is your good feeling about this situation? What do you think to follow it? Is it like a action driven or? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think these days, a lot of parents and families and communities, we really uh, don't allow our children enough time to be by themselves and have their own play experiences, whether it's in nature or, you know, um, in their room. Like uh, when I was growing up, my sister and I, we didn't have a TV and we spent a lot of time in this creative world this beautiful creative world. And we would do, whether it was drawing or we would do skits, you know, do, um, put on skits or sing or uh, play store. Or when we were camping, we'd create, you know, this beautiful world of pretend. And I remember being in that environment and when you're, especially when you're in nature, being, feeling very connected like the, the outside world simply did not exist. In that moment, let's say I was a horse and I was, you know, cantering around the woods and, you know, we just these stories. And in that space, I, I mean, it sounds strange, but I really think that intuition was with me in that space. I, um, as a young child, because I had that autonomy, had experiences where I would get, um, it's almost like pangs of intuition. Like I remember, for example, uh, you know, the door, there was a knock on the door and I opened the door and there was, you know, a man there and he kind of took a half step in and I was alone and he said, uh, are your parents home? And I, and I just right inside of me and I didn't blink and I just said, 
my father's in the study. Shall I go get him for you? So that was my intuition. I know that was, and I've had different examples like that. I mean, different periods of my time, different moments when it just comes, it's just there. And I, and I wonder if it's because I was very tuned into the environment. I was very tuned into the environment from all that time I spent in it, exploring, creating, tapping into the creative energy of the universe, if that makes sense. Yeah, a very, very interesting example, I must say. And yeah. So what you're saying is these days, children don't tap into their intuition and they'll be some kind of not as valuable as we are when they grow up, they won't be able to get connected. Well, I think that we're teaching our children to rely on other people's expertise. You know, I know. So for example, if, uh, um, you know, if a child from the time they're two years old, three years old, go to preschool, and then they're already starting on a program of learning, but it's always learning. Well, not always, it depends on the preschool, I suppose. There are wonderful preschools that are all like Montessori and Waldorf, all about creating, you know, the, the, um, uh, the flavor of creativity. But, but there are, I, I think there are a lot of programs also that just, you know, kind of put children on that every year time frame you should be at this point and developed by this point at that point and this point at that age and you know so it's kind of programmed and then children are you know now with their uh you know on ipads i see it you know going out to a restaurant you see a three-year-old on their iphone their parents iphone or ipad it's all it's all programming so i think i can't imagine that they won't have any creativity no i don't think that's possible but as far as when it comes to intuition, when you're relying on the outside source for your information and for building your thought process and for actually creating your brain, you know, as you get older, I can only think that where is the intuition in that? You know, where is it? You're being taught by the time you can, you know, you'd follow that trajectory and maybe by the time you get finished with college, you know, I don't, I don't think it's the same. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you think? I, I it's not the same. I, I don't think, I think so. Education just prepare people to be working in the factory and not having any creativity skills. Or working on Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wall Street, but um, yeah, interesting. And and money and money becomes the incentive. And there are a lot of creative people on Wall Street. So I'm not. I guess I'm just saying. You know, I'm very much generalizing, but I just think that the more time that children can be bored, mom, I'm bored, there's nothing to do, mm. you know, that that's actually an opportunity. Well, go out and play. Well, you know, like us, you know, our kids, we spend time up in Maine. So it's, you know, um, where we don't have a TV. So they would have to do things, you know, besides, you know, talk to their friends on Snapchat. Now they're older and they have, believe me, they've spent way too much time with that um, than I wish. If I were to go back in time, I would have 
not let them ever have a device. But I didn't know at the time. So I have to be easy, right? We have to be easy on ourselves. But as far as developing intuition in children, I think a great start that would go a long way is to develop their creativity so that that creative energy is in touch with and connected to what I would say source energy, the universe, you know, creativity, source energy, your intuition. I think they're all in bed together. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the least covered subject in education. Creativity. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think? How to educate our children to be resilient and accept issues as uh, challenges instead of problems? Well, I'm exploring that also, and I've read um, a number of books before I had children, and you know, because I was trying to look for the answers, and it's interesting because. I go back to my own childhood where again, I was left alone a lot and you know, uh, raised in a single family household. My mother and my parents were divorced and I had a lot of time by myself and our environment was changing. I switched schools, we moved, you know, we, I lived on a houseboat sometimes. I went to Guatemala where my father's family was from. I lived in Vermont where my mother's family was from. All that move and change that creates resilience. That's the answer. So when we try to keep our children safe, which we should keep them safe, but when we try to, when the choices are no longer there and everything is kind of grow, everything is the same, you know, if they live in the same house, which is fine, but when we don't expose them to different um, environments and we don't allow and we protect them from you know the sharp edges of life then we're teaching we're not teaching them how to get under out of their comfort zone so I was just listening to a talk about resilience and I'm trying to remember I can't remember who um, the speaker was but you know she basically she was saying we need to get out of the way so that our children can have failure, <laughs> experience failure, so that they can experience, you know, scary situations at the time, but then they survive, they come out, there may be a silver lining. So maybe it's about, you know, uh, well, actually, what I'm thinking of is, uh, so my, you know, this is my, my, um, not my father, but so my son, and my husband were on a trip across the country and they're actually flying in a little plane and they were at night and it was, uh, they had to land for gas. So they um, landed and it was all dark and my son was maybe five or six, but he was kind of, my husband said he was kind of nervous. Like, who's gonna meet us? He had all these questions. Where are we landing? Who's gonna meet us? What's gonna happen? And, you know, they were in the middle of nowhere in a small airport and there was a storm coming in. So, but there was one person at the airport and long story short, he let them borrow their car and they ended up in a nice little motel somewhere. So my husband didn't say to my son, oh, everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be fine. Don't worry, I'm taking care of it. He said, well, I don't know what's gonna happen. 
I don't know who's going to pick us up at the airport. I don't know where we're going to sleep tonight, you know? So he let him experience every step along the way. And I just love that because at the end it became an adventure, not something that was scary and not something that my husband had to take care of, but they explored it together. You know, so you can do that with anything. I, I totally agree with you. We should uh, maybe create our own hardships with our children while they grow up so that they can, can overcome them by themselves and this way to create uh, resilience. I love, I love this. Yeah. 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 Do, do you agree that we should not only teach the children, but also let them be our teachers and learn as well? And how we can do that? Uh, that's the best question. I love that because when I first became a mother, I mean, I think I had natural instincts and I read a bunch of books and I thought, I thought like I knew how to parent. <laughs> and I, I, well, I know that's not true. I, I guess I did like instinctively know how to be a mom, how to parent, but I just didn't realize how much I was going to learn from my kids. I had no idea. My kids, it's like, you know, people say how we mirror each other, you know, energy. So I used to, um, you know, I used to have a lot more, be much more clear cut and dry. This is how it is. And I was very stubborn. Um, this is it. This is how we're going to do it. This is my way. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, my kids, though, um, pushed back. And then, you know, so sometimes I would get angry and I would yell at my kids. I said, just do this. Just, But they would challenge me. And so from a young, when they were young, I realized this is not the parent I want to be. So I had to learn how to change myself. You know, I had to. Uh, it was all about me changing, not my kids changing. I had to change the delivery, which I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. So I did um, a while ago start, well, actually not even that long ago, but um, the Course in Miracles, a Course in Miracles. And that, uh, that really changed it's a it's yes the course in miracles is a book it's a practice it's a spiritual practice it's a non-denominational spiritual practice and it's um so i used to do like in the morning writing and like i said contemplative meditation and then i was introduced to the course in miracles and i started doing the course in miracles for a couple of years and they have um a workbook in it and every day it's like a it's a meditation so it's, um, it's, it's, it kind of changed my world so that I didn't rely. So I didn't think that I needed to be powerful in order to, I, I didn't need to do anything. I didn't need to have, I could let go of the control, you know? So I, it taught me how, what's that? Thing. did it work did it really work that way because it's really difficult to let go and just um, yes it really it. did yeah. it was actually very profound and I'm not saying that I don't um, regress sometimes <laughs> or you know but no absolutely absolutely it has helped me be so much more 
um, just really who I really am and not act out of a place of fear because it's the fear that brings out the anger. So, um, yeah, so with my kids, you know, it really helped me just be more open and more aware and help me be a better listener um, and also help me learn how to step away from a situation and take a look at what's going on inside for me in the moment. Now, I wish I would have uh, knew of The Course in Miracles before my, I wish I knew <laughs> about The Course in Miracles before the kids were teenagers and before they were, um, you know, cause I didn't, it was maybe three years ago I started The Course in Miracles. So my kids are now 19 and 22. So, uh, but yeah, it would have been helpful to know. Excuse me? It's still helping with uh, your current lifestyle and improving yeah. and connection with your children as well, right? Very much, very much so, yes. I, I also yeah. agree if you're, not, if you're not so controlling, it's much better and you have much better thoughts and interactions than if you want everything to go your own way. And if something doesn't go your own way, then you get... Uh, frustrated and then you get into this anger and judgmental thoughts and yes yes and it's usually the judgment would obviously find itself back to me you know judging we judge ourselves so harshly and you know i wasn't you know always i i loved having fun with my kids but it's it's being a mother is not easy you know it's easy to love our children that's what I, that's the best part, the loving of the children. But besides loving of the children, at least for me, I was making all my children's meals and I wanted them to eat healthy. So that took a lot of effort and work. I really believe in a good breakfast for the children. And I was doing all the wash for the children. <laughs> and I was, you know, there's just, and we would, you know, we lived in different places. So moving and organizing and we have restaurants. So I was busy. And it's when my, um, you know, when, when you're at your, um, you know, when you don't create the space for yourself, your, uh, you know, your temper is shorter. And I didn't have a horrible temper, but I just felt I didn't, I didn't create enough space for myself. Uh, so everything, you know, your emotions, everything starts building up. Um, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work being a mom. How do you find the balance between your family life and your personal life that you need to have for yourself? Because yeah, because I, yeah, I used to be such a person that would just do everything myself. You know, I just, I just do it myself. Just partly because I liked it done my way. So there's a little bit of a control element there. If I did it myself, I knew it would get done and it would get done how I wanted to do it. So, um, but one thing is, is I learned to lean on my husband. And I think that that was really, really important for me because I thought at the time, you know, I'm the mother, I know how to take care of the kids and I, it's all true, but I, I, I learned how to let him in and take care of it also. It didn't have to be done my way. 
and actually it was actually uh, one time, and this is when the kids were toddlers, when it, when I had that realization, because it, it was too much. I was going through too much. The kids were toddlers. I was nursing. I probably wasn't eating enough nutritious foods myself. I was still trying to, um, you know, there's just too much going on. I wasn't, I wasn't creating the space for myself. And I remember with my husband just saying, you know, I'm, I can't do this. And I don't think he understood what I was, I meant at first because he knew me to do, be like the person that can do everything. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't do this. And he, I can't remember what he said, but I imagine he said something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I looked at him, I said, you don't understand. I cannot do this. And then I just had to paint it really clear for him. I want to run away right now and never come back. And then he was like a deer in headlights. And then he got it. He's like, Oh my gosh, we have to have a family meeting. <laughs> you know? So we have to, so then he started realizing, okay, Jennifer, either Jennifer's not taking care of herself in the past, but now she's maybe asking, you know, she, I'm asking for help. I'm asking for help. I'm, I'm not telling him what to do because I don't know what I want him to do, but I need help. So that was kind of, um, kind of a shift for me because I realized I need help. <laughs> I can't do it all. That's a very yeah, that was very powerful. Mm -hmm. So, in some of your your talks, uh, you discuss uh, topics uh, about how to deal with toxicity in children's and parents' life, and things like tap water or from dental fillings, food, even toothpaste. How do you think we should protect our children from the toxic things around? I think. We can't protect them from everything, unfortunately. I mean, isn't it when a baby is born, they found like over 250 toxins in the umbilical cords of mothers. Um, unfortunately, this is the state of our world right now. But because of the, um, because we know there are that many toxins in our environment and the umbilical cord, it should, really raise the awareness and uh, I mean this is a critical issue this is a this is one of the most critical issues right now facing our children because you know what is it um, you know 54% of children right now are have these chronic diseases and we really must do better not only as parents, but as community, but it starts with moms and dads at cleaning up and really paying attention what is making it inside our children's bodies. Because I don't think people, when we say toxin, people don't necessarily think about, like I just think, oh, a little toxin. What, what, what could possibly could a toxin have on my child? Like we don't think of you know, what that can do, but it can regulate hormones it can, you know, interfere with uh, excretion, um, like as far as being able to get toxins out. Um, it can, you know, do neurological damage. It can do cellular damage. It can do uh, damage our fertility. 
So there's so much that these toxins do, but people are uh, unaware and there's so many toxins, it's hard to know what each one does. I mean, nobody can take the time to do that. So to me, the best approach is trying to just keep them from entering our children's bodies to begin with. And that would be from day one, having a mom eat nutritious food when she's pregnant, eat organic, eat grass fed if you're gonna eat beef, um, you know, stay away from any, if you can, it's not always possible, but this is the, you know, if, if we're talking about keeping out toxins is don't take in any medications that can uh, pass through or that can, um, you know, then when we go to nurse or when we have the babies, you know, those toxins aren't getting into uh, our, our babies, newborns. Um, and so with clear diet and also even, you can take it back even before then, you know, before you have kids. In this day and age, I would recommend uh, people who wanna get pregnant that they do some cleanses with a healthcare practitioner and chelate these, these toxins, whether they're from our dental, you know, mercury fillings, uh, but any of those toxins, get them cleansed out of our bodies before the baby is conceived. And then the, when the baby is in utero and you know, you're growing this beautiful baby is to um, of course continue with organic. You need to work with a professional because I'm, I'm not a doctor and I'm not even a um, naturopath, but I, I, there are so many great um, naturopaths who do, you know, that's their job to work with uh, clients and cleanses and I would really, uh, if I were a young, if I were thinking about having a child today, I would really um, meet with someone and take proactive steps. We have to take responsibility because no one is going to do it for us. And as far as our children, you know, once they're born, uh, again, organic, you know, you can't emphasize that enough because especially in wheat, we think, oh, we're at this, you know, we're at a cafe, we're just going to have a bagel with cream cheese. That's a healthy choice. Well, in that bagel, if it's not organic, is glyphosate. And glyphosate will, um, you know, can do damage to your gut. And in that, you know, turkey sandwich, you may have thought was the healthy, healthy choice at the deli, are hormones in the turkey and antibiotics that will, what they, they damage the gut. So, we need to really look at this. And once mothers and fathers get on board, then guess what? It's just supply and demand. All of a sudden, we're going to live in an um, environment where we have more of those products that people want, more of the healthier products, more of the healthy vegetables and, and all of it, all of it. And another thing I would say, and this is very controversial right now, so I won't get into it that much, but it's very important that uh, mothers and fathers do their research about vaccines before vaccinating their children. You know, looking at the ingredients, just like you would on the side of a box of the cereal that you're gonna <laughs> give to your kids, what's in here. They need to look at the package inserts on the vaccines. They need to research those uh, ingredients. Don't just ask your doctors because doctors have never even done this. Most doctors have not done this. They haven't even studied uh, much about vaccines. And this is a lot of new information that's coming out also. But there are things like, you know, of course, there's aluminum, polysorbate 80, um, 
you know, uh, formaldehyde. I can't remember, but because I did do some research myself, but there are uh, ingredients in there in small amounts. But when you look at the whole childhood schedule put together, these are not, no longer, you can't say they're small amounts and they've never been tested the synergistic effect of how they react together in a, in a child. So that would be something I would um, also take a look at and then decide with your doctor or practitioner um, the best route that's best for your, for your children. The next step I will say is to then chelate toxins out of your system because those are definitely, and again, I'm not a, I'm just telling you as a mom who's done her own reading and research, I'm sharing information, what I've learned and what I've tried. And there are so many people who are more qualified than me to tell parents, but you know, the short answer is there are ways that we can detox and pull, um, whether it's heavy metals or other toxins, parabens, out of our uh, out of our bodies and out of the bodies of our children, and, and I've I've heard mothers say they've seen drastic changes in behavior, in eczema, in you know just health of the gut. I mean, it's just this is a huge impacts, huge impacts once you get these toxins out. I love what you're talking about, and I want to share my experience with uh, removing toxins. Recently, I read the book from Anthony Williams, which is uh, the medical medium, and it's about celery juice. The book is called Celery Juice, and he recommends every morning for 30 days to drink 450 milliliters celery juice on an empty stomach. And what I've been doing is for four days, and I see incredible changes in me. Despite I've been, I've been vegan for the last nine months, uh, vegetarian for five years, and Still, I can see if with folate on celery juice, I, I, I function much better. So the yeah. celery is getting all those heavy toxins you're saying out of the body, cleanses your liver, uh, cleanses your colon, and helps with better nutrition absorption. It is really, really amazing. I would recommend reading. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to say that um, uh, also that so I am not, so I'm saying what we should do. And I want to make this really clear because in our environment right now, I do go out to, in, to restaurants and I will order the pasta, right? That has glutathione in it. But we're talking about how, you know, our children and how we can, you know, evolve and become more aware and make choices. So like for me, I do, um, you know, like this past year I did a cleanse. And then before that I hadn't done a cleanse for maybe, you know, four or five years, uh, maybe less, but anyway, I think it's important these days to do a cleanse every one, one, two years. Some people say every six months, you know, some people say every season. So whatever it is for you as an individual, you know, to do some sort of a cleanse again with, a with like I did, I really like, uh, Jonathan glass, um, he wrote 28 day cleanse. So he's the author of 28 day cleanse. So I did his cleanse last and he actually lives in my area. So I did it with him. Uh, and so there are different cleanses that work better for, you know, for people depending on where they live and their lifestyle. 
But if you just even did one cleanse a year, that makes such a big difference. It doesn't mean you have to change your life and, you know, make it really challenging. And so you're not going to have any fun over the holidays or at birthday times or, you know, live your life. We're here on this planet, I believe, to really enjoy and create joy and to be happy. And that's where our purpose is. We'll be led to our purpose, higher purpose, when we stay in that place of, happiness and joy and not to say you're not going to have bad days but that your goal if it makes you happy and you're not hurting others do it you know so I want people to encourage people to enjoy their lives and then however often it makes sense for you and depending on your health and your conditions and your eating habits your lifestyle get that cleanse in there you know once a year so that you can live a long and joyful life. I would say even even on top of that, uh, make your lifestyle a cleanse instead of having to cleanse yourself every every once a year. Yes. Reduce whatever possible. Yes, like I love the celery juice you're talking about. Reduce, yeah, just do things like that. Absolutely. And I, I take a lot of supplements and I and I do drink celery juice, although um, you just reminded me, I have some in the back of my fridge that I, I think I still have half the bottle left. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> so, but um, yes, I totally agree. If you could go back in time, what would you do different with your children? So that's a, oh, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, isn't that kind of a bittersweet question? I mean, it's kind of a sad question, right? Because it means I've done something wrong. And so, you know, when I'm, when I'm looking at myself, I should say, because what would I have done differently? Because there are things I would have done differently, but then it makes me feel bad that I didn't do those things. But of course I didn't know. So I have to be soft on myself, but I really wish that I, um, just a few things that, um, that I didn't care so much about, um, you know, keeping the kitchen clean or, uh, well, that's an interesting question because then I think, or like I have a friend who really taught her kids how to clean the kitchen. (laughs) So So I think the main thing I would have done was just to, you know, I spent a lot of time with them but would have been to let go of some of the things going on in my life that I look back now and I can't even remember what they were and to spend even more time with them because it just goes by so quickly. It goes by so quickly. I think I would have had more with my children sleepovers in the living room. In fact, I don't think we did that once. That's what I would have done. I would have had more sleepovers in the living room and just really, you know, interacted and been with them more present more of the time and i and i think i did a good job but that's probably one of the things i'd have more sleepovers in the in the living room i think we all need that yeah so yeah you have had your children in public school and then they were when they were teenagers you moved them into private schools why did you make this decision and what was the difference between the public and private school in in the states Uh, yes. So my children are very different learners. 
very different. In fact, if you would have told me how different they were going to be, I would have said, what? We're the same parents, same genes. I can't see how that would be possible. But my son is a very, uh, he's always been, you know, very smart, very athletic, very analytical. Uh, he's always pushing himself to, pushing his limits more to be the best like in sports. So I'm talking about as a young child. So he did a lot of sports and he played hockey and he ski raced and he had, and we used to live in uh, Idaho and also here in Massachusetts and we would drive back and forth every year and spend, you know, four, four months over in Idaho and he, the kids would go to school there. Then we would come back here. But my son had to choose um, where he wanted to go to school if he was going to go ski racing or play hockey. And the hockey, he just, you know, we kind of helped him make that decision, but it was hockey. And so we stayed in New England. And in New England, if you want to play hockey at a high level, which he did, you really need to go to private school to do that. So he went to a school that was an all boys school, very big in sports, but also very good academically. So it was a good fit for him. Uh, and then my daughter, who's very creative, not focused in a good way because of her creativity. You know, she would always be like, oh, look at that over there. Or she'd be taking up painting one week or, you know, her, her uh, world was a lot bigger than maybe my son's who just had, um, his world was big, but you know what I mean? He, he just wanted, he wanted to, you know, go to that school, play hockey, do that. My daughter, was kind of all over the place. And she did try public school, um, but because of the way that she learned, like here we label it as executive function. She had executive function challenges. And so she couldn't focus, but that's because of how we teach in school. Like if she were in an environment where they did exploratory learning, it might've looked different. She might have been at the top of her class. <laughs> but so we, she went to a school that, um, you know, worked with kids um, who were more, who learned more like her. So she went to that school. So in public school, our public school here where I live is actually a pretty good public school. But it's kind of interesting that my kids, because they were so different, they actually... Um, we're on both ends of the spectrum or two, you know, completely different outside of the niche of that public school. Then they ended up going to these private schools, which, uh, which, yeah, I'm very grateful for. I, I went to public school growing up and I didn't have, um, you know, a great experience. So I was fortunate to be able to send them. Basically you, you tailored according to each of your children, the way, to be educated the way they need to be to learn yes i wanted them to be met where they were okay and, and how did you find out what exactly they need well um with my son it was just straightforward because he wanted to be on a great hockey team and so he he had to apply and uh 
So pretty much the sport dictated where he went. And with my daughter, you know, I think it was just uh, word of mouth. I think her tutor, she had a tutor because like I said, with the executive function who were trying to teach her, um, you know, who are working with her and her homework, um, you know, she didn't do well with, with most types of homework when you would get a, you know, kids get maybe a few pages to do at home. Uh, they would just end up in the back, in the bottom of her backpack and all over. So it was pretty certain, clear. It was pretty clear early on that she was going to learn, need to learn how to manage school. So when that became clear, I, I just started doing my research, looking around at schools, talking to, you know, teachers and her tutors. So I think actually it was her tutor that we were working with that recommended I take a look at this school and a few other schools. Sounds like uh, which we did. An amazing, an amazing mother, and you've done your best for your children. Which is, I've tried. Yeah. I've tried. I wish they were home. I miss them. I'm in that empty nest <laughs> stage where I really miss them. <laughs> They're not yeah. at home right now. Well, you have your but, podcast and uh, your, your goal and your, your dream to reach more and more yes. women and help them. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm doing. This experience, uh, it's a new challenge. How do you feel about it? You know, it's interesting because um, I love being a mom. And yes, yeah, so now I, I have more time. And I've always, like, being a mom for a while was my purpose. You know, when people ask, oh, what's your purpose? What do you want to do? What's your purpose? I was happy with being a mom. That was my purpose. Although I did think about, huh, what am I going to do when the kids get older? What? Um, so I just, I kind of trusted. I kind of trusted, all right, something will come. I don't need to go looking for something. Even though I did, I thought, you know, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do coaching or maybe this. But then again, with my contemplative morning meditation and I was writing and asking and okay I think I just need to trust so just just trust that once the kids it'll open up <laughs> it'll open up and that's exactly what happened so when the kids um you know they're not really kids anymore but when my kids uh ended up leaving then I don't know if it was an email or something that caught my eye, you know, Brian Rose, his podcast course, Broadcast Yourself. And I just, something was intriguing. So I just opened it, but the class was starting like in three days. So I said to my husband, maybe I'll have a podcast. And something about that I liked. I liked the idea of being able to communicate uh, with other and learn about by interviewing other people and exploring. And I love motherhood. And I love, you know, the whole intuition, that topic. And, you know, I really feel like us moms really do have an instinct and an intuition, especially when it comes to our kids. And I feel that a lot of times that we're, um, you know, well, we're, well, you know, we're, we're not taught to listen to it. In fact, we're taught to give away our power, you know, and listen to the experts. So there was, there's something about, that that just rubs me the wrong way 
that if somebody's wearing a coat, a white coat, or somebody is, you know, maybe the principal of the school or even a teacher, an expert in their field, you know, I kind of, I don't like that I'm, as a mother, just supposed to listen to them and do what they say. Because I've always been about doing my own research, you know? No, I want to look into this. These are my kids. Nobody loves my kids more than I do or my husband. And I feel like we need to be the ones making the decisions in their lives. And what was compelling me to, you know, to say that or feel that was this inner voice, that voice, my intuition. So with only a few days left to sign up for this class, you know, I talked to my husband about it and he's always very supportive um, of things that interest me. He really, he's great. I have to say he's, he, he toots my horn. He thinks, you know, I'm so capable. And so with his belief in me, then I just said, okay, so I'm going to do it. And then you know, cut to them. Yeah. In the class. And that's, I'm so glad I only had, this is the universe working because if I had more time to think about it, I probably would have had 101 reasons why I couldn't do it. You know, so I'm glad that the universe only gave me three days to think about it. Talk about it with your husband, sign up. <laughs> yeah. It worked perfectly. And during the day, do you have other rituals, uh, that help you tap into intuition and be more mindful and relaxed during the day if you get anxious or you mentioned like uh, looking yes yes so a couple of things that i do um one just um you know breathing sit and breathing sit and breathing well i'll give you three so that sounds so it's so not difficult at all but just kind of take two minutes let kind of once you've worked that morning practice, you can kind of take that with you wherever you go. So now it's a lot easier for me to just take a moment, sit with myself, let the thoughts kind of melt off, you know, surrender my fears and just kind of get into that place and then just wait. I don't have to make anything happen. I just have to wait. I just have to, I don't have any, I just have to trust. And I ask, and by the way, I always ask the universe for guidance. Please guide me. Please, you know, I. it's just so fun when you get tapped in. My husband laughs because he's like, you, like I have parking angels. You know, he never finds a parking spot wherever we go. And I just laugh. I, can, I, I know I'm going to find one. And it's always there. I count on it. And I listen to my little um, instincts, you know, whether it's, you know, I get a picture of my keys in my head and I'm like, oh, right, keep track of my keys. Or, you know, we all get these little zaps of um, our intuitive intuition telling us, pay attention here, pay attention there. And when I do that, then, and I've learned to listen to it, then things just kind of flow. But right, so that's one thing, just sit. Another thing, if I'm feeling anxious and um, is that go to gratitude. That's it also gets me to that space pretty quickly. Um, and it could just be for the simple things or the big things, whatever it is, we can all find a gazillion things that we're grateful for. Uh, and the last thing, which is actually a tool that you have to learn, but it's really, really great. And I hope to interview somebody about this on my podcast is tapping. Have you heard of tapping emotional freedom technique? So tapping, yes, exactly. Yeah, so you tap on different, uh, 
yeah, different energy points on your body. And I, I recommend people just look up the tapping solution. Uh, and, and it's where you just tap on different energy points as you're saying whatever it is that you're anxious about. Like, let's say uh, right now I'm anxious about speaking in public. You might say, you know, you might be when you're tapping on these specific points and you have a number of them. Uh, one of them is on the side of your hand at your karate chop point. And you might say, even though I'm feeling anxious, I totally love and respect myself. Even though I'm anxious about speaking in public to this group and I feel really, really nervous, I totally love and accept myself. So you kind of go through the different tapping points, saying, saying you know, words like that. And it's amazing. It's really amazing how effective it is. Uh, when I was pregnant with my first child, I didn't even know about the tapping solution. I used to be a runner. And when I was first pregnant, I actually uh, was doing uh, running and also skate skiing. Um, and I remember I would have to stop and bend over because I would have this shortness of breath. And then I would have this shortness of breath in different, not even when I exercised. And I didn't realize it until much, much later that I was just anxious because I was going to be a first time mom. That's what it was. If I had recognized it at that time, it might look different. But one of the things that I remember that I figured out how to do, and I don't even know how I figured out how to do this, but to tap, to tap like on, um, and I, on, uh, what chakra is it? I don't, uh, I know the chakras, but I, I haven't memorized them, but right, basically, um, what is that? Like about two inches above my belly button. What chakra is that? But I would just tap there. I would tap there and then sometimes I would go lower to my stomach, sometimes more near the pelvis, sometimes up by my, um, on my, like where my heart is on my chest. So I would just rotate up and down like different places to tap with my three fingers, pretty firm tap and just tap wherever that, wherever the anxiety emanated from, I would tap there a while. So, and that actually helped reduce that anxiety that I couldn't, that I didn't know where it was coming from, but it did help dissipate it. It was a, it was a useful technique at the time. So, and many years later, I learned about tapping. Basically, where you have the, the, the sensations, the anxiety sensations, you tap in that area and it releases. Right. Yeah. But I will say this, uh, the tapping solution and I think um, Dawson Church also talks about tapping. You know, he's the author of the book, Mind to Matter. And he talks about tapping as well. So there are, you know, different people who understand how this works. Uh, and there are all sorts of different, um, I think you even can download apps on your phone, uh, you know, that'll guide you through these tapping exercises. And they don't take long but they're very effective. I mean, one of the points is, you know, and women on our, we're underneath our arm about, you know, maybe three inches down from our armpit and you just tap on the side of your ribs. That's one point.
point. I mean, so they're different places. They're not just on your chest, your hand, above your eye. Yeah, so I recommend people uh, look into that for for when they're when they have maybe actual anxiety that's a little bit uh, that doesn't go away with just the sitting or the breathing or the gratitude. Then try something because it could be your energetic system is out of alignment, and this will help calm it. I've heard about it from Donna Eden, and she's, she has a morning energy routine, routine to remove stress, and it's exactly what you're saying, tapping at different points and deep breathing at the same time, and it takes like three, four minutes every time I do it. I'm super relaxed after that. I love it. I love it. And that's who? Don who? Donna Eden. She, she's a very popular in, in the States. So it's D-O-N-N-A. Eden, E-D-E-N, and she has a book on energy healing. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's something you can try. It's very easily shown and easily done. Um, I'd like to ask you my final question. What do you think in your first 10 years influenced you to be the amazing person you are today, willing to help women to get in touch with their inner self and intuition and being resilient as a mother? And in, in the first 10 years? Yes, or in your childhood. So, yep, yep. Um, well, that's probably pretty easy because, so my mother was, like I said, a single mom. And she was working a lot when I was growing up. She held all these different jobs because she was a student. So she was working her way through school uh, to become a Unitarian minister. So I grew up, you know, going to, with my sister, uh, well, just watching her, watching her, first of all, work, work her butt, butt off, but also studying, um, you know, theology. And I grew up in the Unitarian church environment, which is very, which is very much about, um, you know, acceptance, supporting one another, uh, you know, welcoming diversity, and uh, but also in relation to something bigger than us, you know, the higher selves. They don't Unitarians. They welcome a different denominations. So whether you're talking about whoever, whoever you call God, doesn't matter. But uh, so that that combination of having my mother kind of, you know, go after this, her goal and seeing her be so capable and also that spirituality, that spiritual energy that surrounded, you know, us because of her chosen field of study. I think that made all the difference. Now I will say that my father was on the other end of the spectrum and he was a philosophy professor and he was a student of philosophy when he was growing up. So he taught me to question <laughs> everything, everything that seemed really obvious. He still would ask me, how do you know the sky is blue? Well, can you prove it? Well, you know, how do you know, you know, these kind of questions. So I think probably the combination of both of them helped me, um, you know, ask questions but then also go into the path of maybe a more um, spiritual path and want to help other people through that, which my, 
you know, as my mother did. Thank you, thank you for this answer. And uh, thank you, Jennifer, for being my guest and sharing such amazing insights to me and our audience. Love what you're doing for the young moms and wish you good luck on the path you're on. Keep your love of learning ever growing and let each next day be better than the day before. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. It's been really fun. Thanks. All the best.